Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Journeys with Jenny. I'm Jenny, and I'm so happy you're here. This is part two of an interview that we started with my dear friend, Amelia. And I am so excited to show you the second part because the conversation just went even deeper. The first one, we started on ghosts. We talked about letting go. Then the conversation continued, and now we're talking about your higher self versus the deepest, deepest part of you. We talk about identity and knowing who you are, and we even talk about spiritual anxiety and how that manifests in our lives. So without further ado, here is Amelia once again. I'm so excited to show you this conversation. Enjoy. In that moment, I turned to myself and I said, regardless of what happens, I will be here for me. I won't self-abandon again. So I could take this risk because I know I can trust myself to show up for myself and not demean myself or judge myself or berate if anything went bad. What I love about your example was showing up for yourself. How do you picture that version? I picture a wise, silver-haired version of Jenny coming and giving me a hug. What is your version of that, that almost higher self accepting that part of you? It's more of a feeling that I get, that that wiser, the higher self or, or whatever it is that just envelops me in that, in a hunk. It can be difficult to get to that point. But when when I do, it's like I can melt into that feeling and kind of let everything go. It's beautiful. I like the feeling. I think the visuals do help me almost creating a character. How how do you feel about this idea, though? Because I feel like it may be going in maybe not a bad direction, but I don't know. But this idea of the higher self. Yes, the put together wise best version of me versus the lower self I am currently operating from. Do we like those terms? Do you have other terms of this differentiation? What what do you think about that? It's funny that you mentioned that the higher self, it implies a hierarchy, you know? Yes. It implies that there's some other version out there that's better. And yet I'm supposed to trust what's in here. I've come to call it the soul self because I think of it more as your soul wants to express itself through you, through your body, through your life. The programming from society that depending on where you're from and what culture you're born into and what time you're born into kind of limits that expression in some way. I call it my soul self as opposed to higher or lower. Because it seems more egalitarian. I I think as I was saying it, huh, I wonder if I have this built-in hierarchy of this imagined better self, which is very different from this inner deep wisdom self accepting you. It feels different when you like talk about it. When you feel into it, the higher self seems like this light thing out there. And impossible and exhausting. Yes, yes. Exactly. Why do we have to keep striving for something that's way up here? You know, why can't we be? (laughs) Why can't we just be who we are without these 
you should be this or you should be that or you need to do this or you're making other people uncomfortable with your full expression. Why can't we just be? I'm going to read you a quote. My brother, my little brother, Josiah, who's not that little. He's actually way taller than me. He sent me this today because we're both going through the artist's way. You do morning pages. So he said this came out in his morning pages. So shout out to Joe. Be who you are now rather than mourning who you are not yet. Be who you are now rather than mourning, grieving who you are not yet. I like that. Oh, like that hit. Wow. That's a good one. He sent that to me before we got online and I wrote it down because I, I don't know about you, Amelia, but I do that so much of this. I want to be better. And, and it comes with a grief and a mourning and a frustration and an agony and a, and a letdown that I'm constantly failing to measure up to yeah. whatever this invisible, better, higher. I think the higher, I, I, through this conversation, I'm like, I'm liking the higher self. She's I not know. helping I, me out here. I think she's causing a lot of issues. Yeah. She's making me feel bad. It's like a totally different character coming from above, yes. telling you that you need to be better versus the one you were talking about who's like, yeah. come here, honey, let me hold you. Yes. Let me accept you. Let me just, let me just love you. Let me love let me you. Let me just you love are. you. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Oh, man. That's a good That's one. really good. Yeah. That's a lesson I need to sit with. How can I yeah. stop listening to this fake higher self yeah, telling, me, telling me that I'm still not good enough, right? Um, right. I love that quote, though. I keep coming back to that. The the phrasing, the morning, who you are not. Yeah. Yeah. Like that just made me realize how often I do that myself. How often I'm looking at what I think should be or how I think I should be in order to be liked or to fit in or to be relatable or whatever. And how I, I don't measure up to that, whatever it is in my own head. And that, yeah, it comes with that frustration and that sadness, like, oh, this is who I should be. And it's like, but no, no. That's, but no. Yeah, but no. But counterpoint, no. <laughs> this is so good. I'm with this wonderful group online. It's a contemplative prayer group. Yeah. Highly recommend. But they're doing readings on simplicity. And one of them was on letting go. And it came up on this idea of what if the thing I need to let go of is being a better version of myself? Oh. Because when I think about my motivations and what drives me to learn, what drives me on my spiritual journey, what drives me to keep going in my life is this idea of climbing this ladder to be a better person, a more knowledgeable person, a more wise person, a, a better, better person. And what we were sitting with is, it, it, you know, it's originated from Bible verse, but it, it's ubiquitous now is this idea that you can't take it with you. You can't take it with you into the afterlife, like let it go. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I thought I realized this, right? Yeah. Okay. I get it. I can't take my money. I can't take my relate. Like I, I get it. Easy lesson to learn yeah. moving on. What if the thing that I'm trying to take with me 
is the better version of me. That's the backpack that I'm lugging around and trying to fix and trying to fill and take into the afterlife so I can show up in heaven. Look at how good I did on the human journey. And I at least got to level eight, guys. (laughs) And it sounds ridiculous, but I think I've been living with this weird hierarchy that, okay, I know I can't take my riches. I know I can't take my money with me, but I want to take the best version of my soul that I've trimmed and treated and decorated and and take that with me with all of her wisdom and all of her experience and all of her shiny baubles and yet that's not what it is because we talk about this deeper self that already exists that that is already perfect and beautiful and all wise and eternal so what am i trying to take with me what is this better self that i'm trying to yeah what is it I think it's the higher bitch. Yeah. I think it's that one. This higher self judging me from wherever her little cloud. I think it's this higher self on her cloud just like nagging at me. So fascinating. All right. Thoughts. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? I love that. That is so true. I've been having this realization repeatedly over the past week because it's one of those things where I don't want to integrate it. But when it comes to reading and writing, I made that so much my identity. It became something I was no longer pursuing out of the love of it. It started off as the love of it. And then it became an identity that I have to hold up that means something. Over the past year, I I just suddenly didn't feel like reading. I didn't feel like writing. I just stopped. It was just taken away from me. I started to realize I had been using it as an identity and it meant something. And then it became so heavy to carry around and uphold that I just dropped it. I'm coming back to it from a place of love again. I'm not doing this in order to gain something from it. I'm doing this because I love the experience of curling up with a good book, of getting those little mental like, ooh, ooh, that's cool. Not because I think it's going to make me a better person, just because it's a good feeling. It's a fun thing to do. It's something done out of love and not an obligation to uphold an identity that that means something to me. So tricky because yes. these are not bad identities. No, they're not. Right. That's the thing. They're, they're not bad. They're not bad. But what you saw was was this pattern, right? That, right. that you were doing these things for, am I getting that right? Like yeah. you were doing it for something. For something. For example, um, let's take writing. So I made that so much a part of my identity and made it mean so much to me that if somebody told me I'm a good writer, then I'm a good person and I matter. Then what I did made a difference. If they say I'm a bad writer, then I did something wrong. I did something well, can we just sit there for a second? Mm-hmm. When someone says you're bad at something and our reaction is, I must be wrong. Right. I must be wrong. I've done something wrong. Or I must have done something wrong. I must be off the path. That's where it became, quote unquote, bad or harmful or heavy. And it's because of that attachment to it. Because when I approach writing from a place of love, from I'm doing this because I love to do it, 
if somebody says this is bad writing, that's not about me. It's about their opinion. If when you think about that in terms of relationship, if somebody came to you and said, your your husband or your boyfriend, I just I don't like him. Okay, but that what does that have to do with our relationship? So that's where I've been reapproaching writing is it's more important for me, for my soul to be able to express itself in that way than it is for me to create something that other people like or just for other people to like. Because, of course, I want people to like my stuff. Like, I hope I hope so. But if they don't, then it's not a big deal. The image I'm getting when we can't see ourselves clearly, when that identity isn't grounded, when we can't, we don't have that true self anchored down and we don't know who we are and we're, and we're trying to figure it out. And we look at all these people as mirrors and we're trying to get them to reflect back to us. Am I good enough? Am I okay? Can you reflect? Can I look at you as a mirror and can you tell me who I am? Can you tell me if I'm on the right path? Can you tell me if I'm good enough? And then when someone says you're not, and instead of it being, oh, haters going to hate and just like wiping it off, it becomes Mm -hmm. a reflection of who you are because that's what you're looking to get from them. Can you tell me? who I am. Can you tell me that I'm good enough? And they're like, well, you're not. Your writing sucks. It wasn't good. When we're looking to people for that reflection, that's where that devastation comes in. I love that image. I love that idea, that analogy. Not saying I've conquered this. I think I definitely, something something to be, something to be bold over for a while here. It makes me want to really work on the strength of identity. Knowing who you are. Yeah, I like that. Knowing who you are. I love that idea of like when you're not rooted in who you are, you're kind of looking to other people to reflect that. This isn't something that I've conquered either. Believe me, I barely know who I am when I wake up in the morning. But would you say, is this something that's a new practice to you? Or do you have an idea of where to start? where you want to start? That's such a good question. I think the knowing is there. Just like we talked about earlier, right? The letting go. We know we just got to do it. But I think it's it's continuously coming home to that knowledge. That's, That's a battle I'm going through right now. I found a wonderful, very old website. His website is so ancient. It's like when websites were first invented and it kind of looks like MySpace. There's multiple color fonts on multiple backgrounds and it's it's like a weird web page. This thing's like X amount of years old, but he talked about anxiety and spirituality. I found it really interesting because it's what I'm going through. And it's when you drop into that true self or you have wonderful people tell you true things and you know it, your whole heart and your whole soul react to it. And you know, and you feel spacious and you feel expansive. Everything's okay. And, and you feel God's love pouring through you and, you and you feel it all and you know that it's real and you know that it's true and you have this experience. Then that glow lasts for maybe a few weeks, maybe a few days, if you're lucky, a month. And then we need, then we need more. And he compares it to, he calls it spiritual OCD, where you constantly need reassurance, just like someone checking the doorknob, 
multiple times over and over again. And you check it and you're satisfied for three seconds, maybe a minute, maybe five minutes. Yeah. But you have to go check it again. And you feel like you have to check it again. And he calls it spiritual OCD, where like you have this anxiety that forces you, where you keep questioning it. Mm. Even though you just checked it, you know that it is real. You know that it is true. You know that the door is locked. It is okay. Yeah. And that feeling lasts for five seconds. And then for whatever reason, it's gone. And suddenly you're like, I'm not loved. I'm worthless. Everything's terrible. And you're desperate for that reassurance to go check that doorknob again. Does God still love me? Can someone tell me, you know, that I am on the right path? Can, can, Can I grab this assurance? And then through God's grace, he gives it to you again. And he reassures you and, and, and something will happen. Uh, the right song will come on and uh, you'll see something beautiful in the universe. We're surrounded by these messages of reassurance. I think I lost my train of thought here, but this is what I'm working through on identity. I think the knowing is there, but I keep checking the doorknob. Mm-hmm. And that's the path that I'm on. Is is there going to be a point where I don't have to check the doorknob? Or can I check it faster, right? Is it is it going to just be a faster process? But that's where I find myself right now. So the knowing is there. The knowing of who I am and my identity, I think, is in there. But I keep yeah. questioning it. I can relate to that. I can relate to that. I'm in a similar spot. It's there. But then you back up. You don't believe it. It's there. Yeah, it's beautiful. And that journey of faith Mm -hmm. and trust. Back to finding out, finding how to trust yourself and just sink into that knowing. What I found is that it just gets a little longer between the times that you have to check that it just gets a little bit longer. And then you realize maybe there's one time, oh, you didn't check the doorknob and it's been 10 minutes. Whoa. Oh, that's new. These little progresses and and that faith, right? You have Mother Teresa who went through her dark night of the soul. Uh, she did service for so long. She was such this incredible human doing wonderful things. But near the end of her life, she went through what she called the dark night of the soul, where she's like, I can't feel God. I can't find him anymore. And I don't know what's going on. And I think through these dark nights of the soul, whether they're little moments, whether they're short, whether it's a few days, a few weeks, whether it's that anxiety, that depression, whatever it is, yeah. we feel even just a piece of that dark night of the soul and trying to come back to that faith, to that identity, to that deeper voice, to that version of you, you're going to be okay. And it's wow. okay where you are. That's beautiful. I love that. It's going to be okay. And you are okay where you are. I love that. Oh, man. Amelia, you gave me so much to sit with. I'm going to have to cut this off because it got super long, but this was amazing. Thank you. Thank you for just bringing all of your heart and your soul into this. Of course. Of course. I loved it. It was wonderful. All right. And I will talk to you later. Have have a wonderful rest of your day. Lots of love. (laughs) Bye. Bye.